welcome to Dominion Sonship. Welcome to Dominion Sonship once again. And uh, let's walk on the water today. How about that? Let's just walk on the water today. We are made to walk on the water. We're made to hush every storm. We are made to really enforce all things to be subject to us now, the body of Christ. Because all things have been placed under our feet under our feet, under the feet of Jesus, and we're now part of his body. Therefore, all things are subject to us. All things are subject to us. And so I have a, uh, I mean, it's it's really in keeping in, in, in line of how Sundays go for me, and it always is a stepping out on the water of the Spirit. It always is a wake up with this carnal thought, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I've got nothing to talk about. And um, then I have to still and silence that and bring it to naught, and uh, there comes the voice of the Spirit, and uh, a message is formed, a message is formed. And so today we have a message from death to life, from death to life, from death to life. As he, so we, as he, so we. Let's go to one of my more read chapters in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2, I think I actually read Hebrews 2 more than I read Romans 8. There just there is just so much in Hebrews too that I'm um, I'm endeavoring before the Lord to to gain greater understanding, and what I mean by understanding is not to just see how um, okay this makes sense. I don't need something to make sense in my head, and I think I got it when I'm not walking it out. You see, the word is. The revealed word is an imparted word of truth to enable us now through the endowment of the Holy Spirit with us to walk it out. And so we're not just preaching to our little selves to get ourselves kind of jacked up or to feel bad or to feel good or to what I, I'm not doing that. I don't, you can tune the channel out and go elsewhere. I'm not about that. I want dominion sonship on earth for myself i want to reflect the very glory of god here now and i recognize it is a transformation work as my mind is renewed as i'm solely led by the holy spirit and i'm telling you it's a full-time assignment to be solely led by the spirit of the lord to to always be mindful that a carnal mind has no say so in my life to always be mindful that the devil as it's found in the world right now is really subject to me to shift it. Uh, we're not victims. We're not, we're not subjects held in captivity. We're not. We are in dominion because of our new birth. Because of our new birth. And so let's go. Chapter Hebrews 2 is, is, is profound regarding that. We might read the whole chapter. So how about you and I read the whole chapter today? Let's see as, as he leads, of course. Therefore, therefore, we, I mean, it, it of course comes after chapter one and um, regarding the son in, in chapter one, verse eight, the son, the Lord said, you, uh, 
But to the son, he says, your throne of God is forever and ever. Scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness. You have God. God loves righteousness and hates lawlessness. God doesn't put up with lawlessness. God doesn't put up and enjoy uh, human emotion gone away. Left its own funky little thoughts. God hates lawlessness. When his order is departed from, it does not please the Lord. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness more than your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth. God is the creator of heaven and earth. And every knee will bow to who he is, to his demonstration of himself through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time we confess him, and so a rebellious tongue, tongue will be silenced. Actually, it would silence itself. Because when you stand before majesty, you will bow the knee. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You fold them up. Are you reading? Are you, are you reading with understanding the majesty and the purposefulness of God in every moment of our life? A preordination for glory alone to be demonstrated on earth. Like a cloak, you fold them up and they will be changed, but you are the same. For you are the same, you are the same, and your ears will not fail. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits? That's the angels. Sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. The angels minister to us the heirs of salvation. And so from here now we come into chapter four, chapter two, sorry, verse one. Therefore we must give because Angels attend to us because angels, God's very angels that do the very bidding of God minister to us the heirs of salvation. What kind of a salvation do we have? It is salvation that is of God. It is salvation that required the death of his son. It is salvation that looked like a demonstration of the word made flesh to shed blood for you and I to hang naked on a cross and to be mocked. What kind of a salvation is this? For the love of God to be so demonstrated in the, in the, in the most of humility of ways. 
What kind of a salvation? What kind of a price did he pay for you and I? Definitely it is not one that is cheap. And so the way we live life does matter indeed. And yes, there has been teaching in the past with, with a lot of condemnation. I'm not about condemnation. It is about what Paul says, attaining to be conformed to his death so that I may attain to his resurrection. Paul the apostle wrote that in, in, in Philippians chapter 3.10. New Testament, Paul wrote it. Paul also wrote the examples of the Old Testament to our admonition. And if he, not, if he did not, to the Corinthians, Paul wrote this. And if he did not spare those that are his, his nation, how much more us that are grafted in him because of such a mercy demonstrated through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to us, the Gentiles. Too much fooling around. Too much fooling around in our heads. In our heads, that's where it starts. Thoughts, thoughts left unchecked. Self-pity leads to self-destruction. Self-pity leads to self-destruction. When you're given a glorious salvation, let's read that we are accountable. We are accountable to God. I'm not putting fear in you, absolutely not. And if you're hearing it that way, then, then turn it off and go read Hebrews 2 for your own self. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Pay attention. He's saying, pay attention to what you've heard, lest why we drift away. Lest we what? Drift away, sail downstream. Where the world likes to party and, and do the pity parties. And woe is me, look at the gas prices. Oh, I can't make it. My kids are in rebellion. Woe is me. Someone pity me. Let's go miserate together and have a little pity party. Absolutely not. We have been given through the blood of Christ so great a salvation. And so keep it in mind. Keep in mind and, and, and mull over and meditate on this great salvation that Paul tells the Philippians to think upon these noble things of good report. Praiseworthy thoughts. Our salvation is praiseworthy. <laughs> I listen to the messages maybe more than, 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 than any out there, I think. I listen to my messages. I listen to my messages to hear the voice of God for my own self. Because I know that which I speak out, I will have to give an account to God for. And that which I put out, I'm accountable to God for. Does it line up with truth? Is it edifying? Is there a warning regarding this hour we're living in? Paul warned a lot. In Colossians says, Him we preach after he spoke about 
I actually did a recording after he spoke about, and now escapes which recording it was, but after he spoke about Christ and as the hope of glory, Paul says, him we preach. And then he talks about warning, warning through this preaching. And so here we're seeing the author of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, warning us to take heed, earnest heed. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. So you can't tell me that there's no possibility to drift away. There is a possibility to drift away. And the way we ensure not to drift away is by giving the more earnest heed to that which we hear. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we, look at this verse 3, how shall we escape? How sh- what, what, Paul, I thought we're safe for, uh, what, what? What Holy Spirit? I thought you might seal the guarantee of, inter- of eternal inheritance in Christ. Yes, yes, as we take heed to that which we hear, yes. Isn't that what also Hebrews uh, 4 talks about? In chapter 4, 1, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his last, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And if indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith, they did not believe what he was saying. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So here, go back to chapter 2, he said, How shall we escape if we neglect, if we neglect, so great a salvation. If we cheapen, if, if we walk away, drift away from so great a salvation. Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. And here we come. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subjection to angels. Now here we're going to open our ears because he's going to bring us in. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man? What is man? That you're mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him. But you got to keep note of where he's going to take us. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him what? You've set him over the works of your hands. He has given us dominion. He's given us authority. He's given us power over the work of his hands. Do you hear what I am saying? And so if, if something goes disarray, who does he come? 
you know, going back to the parables, the faithful versus unfaithful servants. We have been entrusted with dominion. We have been entrusted with the word of power that brought forth the universe into creation. Are we walking as such? Or are we drifting away into woe is me? No one loves me. They don't like me. God says he has set man, and that includes woman as well. Set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things. Look at this. What are you going to do with verse 8? God himself has put all things in subjection under his feet. He's going to bring it into the Son, who we are now in. We are in the Son of God. So do not ever separate Jesus from yourself in light of you not, not being part of his body. You're part of his body. You're members of his. And that's what, I mean, so many verses talk about it, but the one that just stood to me is in, in, in um, Ephesians 5. I'll just look at it, verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So here you have put all things in subjection under his feet, under the feet of man. For in that he put all in subjection under him. For in that he put all in subjection under him. He left nothing, nothing. He left nothing that is not put under him. There's nothing that's not put under the feet of Jesus and under our feet. Oh, yeah, but my daughter. Oh, yeah, but my finances. Oh, yeah, but this is in disarray. This, this is not subjecting to my, my speaking. Always a but. Always looking at nat nat natural circumstance to come against what the word says. Well, how about you use the word of God and you come against what the world says to you? In your thoughts, you don't have to go argue with someone. We're talking about your perceptions. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a pretty difficult friend to be with. Because I have to give an account to that which he shown to me in his word. And I can't just, just, just pity someone. We do have compassion. But this compassion is Christ himself compassion. Who is a reflection of the father of all mercies. And mercy leads you into truth, not into deeper destruction and so here we see mercy speaking to us that nothing was left without being under his subjection but now we do not yet see all things put under him now i'm coming to a key of how you see everything under his and your subjection okay let's let's go verse eight again and we're going to build the case 
You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing. He says that, it's true speaking. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see. We do not yet see all things put under him. But what do we see? Whom do we see? And this is the key. The key is in verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, that is Jesus, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So though we might not see in the natural, so to say, all things being in subjection to God, of course. I mean, we look at unruly government, unruly people, unruly streets. Across the world, within our nation, where we're seeing things that need to line up, realign with the will of God. And yet we know what Peter tells in the beginning of the book of Acts, that all things are working together. Then the leaders of, of Israel came and they connived against the Son, the Holy Son, Jesus. But what does Peter say in that context? Don't you know you actually were working for God? Because the Son of Glory had to be crucified. He had to become a curse to hang on a tree for all humanity. Oh, what great salvation you're part of right now. Everything in this moment right now is working in accordance to the counsel of his will. Don't fool yourself. It is. It is subject. Nothing is not subject to him. But yet you might not see it yet. But what you are supposed to see and what you can see is the living Christ, the word made flesh. We see Jesus who what became sin for us. Who what became the accursed for us? Who what? Who died on a sinner's cross for us? And when I see that, I see my liberty from sin. I see that now I have escaped the corruption that's found in the world through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. This is the power of the cross. Let's read it again. For in that he put all, at the end of eight, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing. God says it. He left nothing that is, uh, you can get happy right now. You can get happy right now. That's why Romans 8.28 is so saucy. Yeah, saucy pants, Romans 8.28. All things are working together for you and I good. Why? Because we love God. And why? Because we're called according to his purpose. We are flesh of his flesh and of his bone. We are his bones. In him. Last week, my life hidden in him. Listen to that message. So, for in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing, he left nothing that is not put under him. 
But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. But we see Jesus. Actually, at the beginning of Dominion Sonship, I made a little post, a little cover for social um, media. And it was, but we see Jesus. The world this, so and so that, but I see Jesus. They call him so and so, but I see Jesus. Your answer to your way out is, but I see Jesus. He is the author. He is the finisher. He is the perfecter of your faith. He is your life giver within you. He is your hope demonstrator. He is your very life. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, the purpose of God was that this Jesus whom we see was purpose for the purpose of death. Crowned him with glory and honor that he, and that's what Philippians 2 writes as well. That he humbled himself and came down and bore the flesh of man to die on the cross. Crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. For it is fitting in him. For it is fitting, it is fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, because all things are subject to him. And bring many sons to glory. Here we come in the equation. To bring many sons to glory as he is, so are we in this world. We know it. To make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Not his way, but God's way. He was purposed for one thing. What was the purposing of the life of Jesus? For the suffering of death. So from this death, life comes out. From this moment of his purpose, resurrection comes forth. And that's how we come. That's how we come in the glory of the Son, the risen one from the dead. We come into that in newness of life, bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering for both he, listen, for both he who sanctifies, that is Jesus, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are what? Are all of one. The one that sanctifies and you and I in him that are being sanctified, we are of him alone. We are of one. There's no separation. And as all things were made subject to him, they are subject to us. And we'll read other verses as time permits or as God leads. Time is of no essence here. As the Lord leads. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are of are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. Why is he not ashamed to call you brethren? Because you're so good, because you didn't argue with your husband this morning or with your wife this morning. Is that why he's calling you brethren? 
No, because he, the sanctified, and you, the one that's being sanctified, walking out this work of transformation, tripping over yourself at times, are one with him. One with the one you love. One really with the one that loves you. One in love. Place before him in love. Ephesians 1.4. Predestined to live life face to face with God in God. Just as John 1 opens up in the beginning was the word. Was with God, was God. So we now live in that living word. One with the one that's one with the Father. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Not because we're so good, but because we're one with him. Because we're being sanctified by him. Because we're walking out before him as his dear, dear children, children of light, and not drifting away from that which we have heard, not neglecting so great a salvation, but mixing his words with faith, believing. And then in verse 14, he talks about how he tasted death. They had to partake of flesh and blood. And that he not only tasted death for us, but he actually destroyed him with the power of death. That is the devil. Your adversary is destroyed by the one that you're one with. By the one that you're one with, the one that's not ashamed to call you brethren, the one that has spoken the name of the Father before you, has destroyed Satan. That fear of death that kept all of us prior to coming into Christ's subject as slaves and minions of Satan. But we no longer to live in this futility of the Gentile mind. But we to come in the renewing of our mind, lest we, lest we drift away. And I can tell you, you can walk this walk of Christ for 20, 30 years and become so cocky because you know it all. Now you attain some sort of mastery in the Bible verses. Now you've done the little preaching circuits. And now it's your time to, I don't know, just coast. Because you know it all. No, no. We're to be alert. We're to be sober. We are to be diligent to never drift away and to keep, what does it give? Earnest heat. Give them more earnest heat to things which we heard. Let's go to Colossians. He's going to sell us, he's going to tell us similar here to us, the body of Christ. Colossians 2.20. Right after he tells us that substance, all substance is of Christ. That my reality as a Christian is in Christ. Not in the TV station that wants to feed me fear. To make me afraid of something. That is in subjection to me. 
to twist my mind to believe a lie. And then I, I drift away from the salvation I have heard, this message of truth, and believe another message of damnation. Look at this, how appropriate this is. Verse 20, therefore, <laughs> verse 19, the way now to hold fast. Well, let's, let's see. Let's see verse 18. Let's, 18. Let no one cheat you. Don't, don't let someone cheat you to make you drift away. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Oh. And not holding fast. Humility looks like holding fast to the head from whom all the body. This is the oneness we're coming back into. From whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is, that is from God. Therefore, therefore, because you're now in Him, sustained through the ligaments that He has, he has, he has placed around you, sustained by holding on to the head who is Christ. Therefore, if you died with Christ, you see, as he, so we. As he was fashioned for a death, you and I have been fashioned for death as well. The death of the flesh. The death of the old man. The death of that which opposes God. A carnal mind. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, worldly principles, and unfortunately, you put on some Christian shows and all you hear is worldly principles. But the word says we have died to the elementary, the rudiments, nothingness of the world. It's nothing. It's foolishness. It's deceit. It is cheating you from the so great of salvation that you have now, Christ in the hope of glory. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations? What? Who do you comply with? And look at the regulations. Oh, my dear. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. You can fill in. You, can, you know exactly what this is referring to in this present hour. This is what the Bible says. We, so let's go back. Why as though living in the world do you... Do, do you subject yourself to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using. 
according to the commandments and doctrines of man. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom, puffs them up. I'm so compliant to the regulations of the commandments of man. I'm so puffed up, vainly puffed up in my fleshy mind. That's what the commandments of man do. Make you a hypocrite. Make, make you point the finger, so why are you not doing it? I'm doing it. Why are you not doing it? We'll give an account. The deeds done in the body. We'll give an account. We'll give an account to the one who's fashioned the universe and who before the foundation of the world foreknew me to be conformed to the Christ man. His very son, his word made flesh. Through the renewing of the mind, the transformation from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the living God. That I not be a work of men, but a work of the spirit. A creation that is from above. So I would not be deceived to walk in those things which have an appearance of wisdom that are the commandments of man. False self-imposed religion. Self-imposed religion. False humility and neglect of the body, but of no value against the indulgences of the flesh. No value of what you do in your dark room in the back room. No value. To control the pride of life, the lust of the eyes, and the lust of the flesh. Self-imposed religion puffs you up to make you look like you're holy when you're all bound up. Because if you do not have a pure conscience sanctified through the blood of Christ and walk as he walked earth, undergoing a transformation, the suffering of the dying of your outer man, which looks like not my way, God, but your way alone. If he called me to this walk of life, then I'm going to walk this walk of life. Narrow is the way, but it leads into the vastness of the love of God. Into the full acceptance to know I'm his beloved, that through the blood I have been cleansed, and before him I can stand guiltless. No shame in him. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Why? Because we are one. We're partakers of his body, of his very nature. The word of God is his nature. And then we go into where I finished last week, Colossians 3. Let's read that. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things. This is it. Seek those things which are above. What are you mesmerized by? Is it the trouble in the world? The temptation that's before you? The cares of life? The fear of tomorrow? It's vanity. We seek Him. Those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind today. Set your mind on things above. 
be a zealot for his word. That's not to God preaching to someone, but to allow the word to transform you. And he might lead you to preach to someone. But you don't do it as a stick to beat someone else down. You do it to bring forth an edification to your spirit, man. To bring forth a maturity in the love of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died. See, we see Jesus now. And when I see Jesus, I know I have died his death. I know, I know that I was baptized in his death so that I can live in the newness of his life. This is the message from death to life as he so we. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. You also will appear in him, with him in glory. Let's go to Philippians. Right before Colossians. Bearing the very mind of Christ. As we see him, we're becoming him. As How do we see him? How can we say, but we see Jesus? Right here. Right here. Right here. But I see Jesus. It's how I set my mind on things above. This is how I undergo transformation. This is how my mind gets renewed. This is why I find out he died for me while I was yet a sinner. That he so loved me. He died for me. And through his death, I have now a hope of a new life. Because I have received him, what he's done for me. I have the right to be called a child of God. This is how I see Jesus. Chapter 2, 1. Therefore, if any, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done. I just, I just had this thought. Wow. My messages are really taking on the shape of sobriety. I think we've heard so much rah, rah, rah. Yay, yay, yay. And then we saw a shutdown of two years pretty much of the rah, rah messages, of the yay, yay sermons. So we can now wake up from the stupor, lest we believe a lie, lest we drift away from this consolation, from this comfort, from this love of Christ, from the fellowship of the Holy Spirit.
and follow another gospel. Mesmerized by other spirits. Verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lawliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And then he talks about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How he looked after our own interest, our interest, not his own. And laid down his life. How he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. So we can now have a new identity, a new reality. In um, chapter 3, 15. Right after Paul says, I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that really, you can match it up with verse 10, just a little higher. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, when I talk about these things, sickness and disease and poverty and lack and, and the fallenness that's found in the world is all subject to us. We don't put up with things that, we're, that are subject to us. We enforce dominion over those. How? By allowing the dominion of the Christ nature to flourish within us. By undergoing a transformation where the one, the one that the Father subjected all things to gets a greater preeminence within me and his dominion flows out of me and cancels out the lower. The sufferings of Christ are not putting up with the curse. The curse has been destroyed. I'm not talking about a pitiful religious mindset of woe is me. I got to put up with it. Jesus put up with it. No, Jesus did not put up with nothing. He conquered all. And now in him, Romans says, we are more than conquerors. So that he can even say that nothing can ever separate from the love of God, nor death, no, no, no sword, no famine, no power, no principality. Why? Because all things are subject to us. Why? Because we have died to the way of the world. Philippians 3.15. Right, uh, did I read that? Let's read it again. I haven't read it. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, as many as bear the mind of Christ, that is the mature mind, the mind of the Spirit, have this mind, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, to the degree of the revelation that we already have, to that which we have already heard, he's saying, don't drift away from it. But let us walk by the same rule 
Let us be of the same mind. He's not saying you got to know it all to walk the fullness of it. You got to walk out that which he's shown to you. Be accountable to that which is disclosed to you. And that doesn't mean you don't read the Bible because you don't want him to teach you. Eo to his teaching. Luke 17. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who walk as you. Look at this. What are we to do here? Note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many of whom I have told you often, and I'll tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. That yet they walked with Paul, they departed Paul, and they drifted away from that which they heard from Paul. And what happened? Became enemies of the cross. Actually, in, in, in John, in 1 John chapter 2, there is a verse that says exactly that. In, uh, I'll just read, it's 18 and 19, but I'll go back to Philippians. Little children, it is, this is 1 John 2, 18, 19. Little children, it is the last hour. Do you know it's the last hour? It's the last hour. We all know it. It is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. But which we know, but which we know, by looking what's out there, the Antichrist spirit. But which we know that it is the last hour. is an indication to us it's the last hour. They went out from us. They went out from us, but they were not of us, John writes. For if they had been, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Some tough passages in the Bible. Not patty cakes, patty cakes, yeah, 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 yeah. Another little feast, another little potluck, like another, another, another. Look, get together. Make ourselves feel good, 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 because we come to this building, this, this building. We all seem to believe the same things. And we love the local church. We love the local church. But take heed of that which you hear. Lest you drift away. From uh, Back to Philippians 3.18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is the destruction. What is it? What? What? And yet they walked with him. But their end is destruction. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who said their mind, look, they set their mind on earthly things. That's the key. But we see Jesus. So that then we can see that he arose and astasis, he stood up and he stood up in hell. Death could not hold him down. And he ascended 
And with his, ascend, with his ascension, we ascended with him. And he sat at the right hand of majesty on high. And where he sits, we sit. But we are to keep our abode. We are to keep abiding in the true vine. Hidden that I have now died. And my life is hid with Christ in God. It's no longer my desi outer carnal flesh. That wants to satisfy her belly. But it is the Christ man within me. But I see Jesus. But you see Jesus. From death to life we go. From an identification with this outer man that really bore death. Through the cross we have been separated from that carnality. So we can now manifest his life. For our citizenship, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. He is able to subdue all things to himself. And so we are to walk worthy of him. My last verse, I'm finishing off with this one. 1 Thessalonians 2. My last verse. And it goes again, Paul now writing in the same manner. Verse 10. I guess it's not my last verse. It's the last portion of verses. You are witnesses and God also. What, what a pure conscience Paul had before God. To say you are witnesses and God also. How devotedly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. Mm, 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 mm. Godly character. As you know how we exhorted and um, comforted and charged every one of you. As a father does to his own children, that you would, what was this comfort? What was this encouragement? What was this exhortation? This charge that he gave them. That you would walk worthy of God. Walk worthy of God. Who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You're part of his body now. A citizen of heaven you are. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, when you heard the word of God, this is how you now drift away. This is it. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God which also effectively works in you who believe. That is where the subduing of all things is. It is found in the word that works effectively in us who believe because when we receive the word, we see it as it is in truth, the word of God and not the word of man. And so today we finish again where we started. I have to go back. Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we hear, heard. Because it's the very word of God we were hearing. 
lest we drift away. And so today, because we are giving heed to the word of God, as it is in truth, the word of God and not the word of man, we will not drift away because we have passed from death to life forevermore. Amen. We are done for today again.